Like, oh, hey, what's more important than relationships, friendships, guys? Oh, wait. Oh, got to do this. Got to do that. Basically anything. Man. Basically anything even the most sending emails. Anything else. Sending yeah. emails about chalice engravings is undoubtedly more important than you guys. How about them apples? Wow, cool uh, little dropping of a fun fact about what you were up to. <laughs> Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Mmm. I'm, drink, you I'm drinking a smoothie. A smoothie? Mm-hmm. My second of the day. I think I might be overdoing it. Are you on a smoothie kick, man? I'm on a smoothie kick. It's pretty good, fast energy, healthy, and high in protein. Do you make your own? I do. Huh. I'm making my own everything these days. I'm not I'm not buying any food from food or drinks from places that make money off of me being too lazy. I'm hey, making... you know what? You know what is similar but way more exciting and less boring is <laughs> basically you... anything. Yeah. Did you see that <laughs> owl that I carved? Okay. A lot of soap? That was not out of soap, all right? <laughs> it was not out of soap. I Well, you didn't clarify whether it was wood whittling or any of the other many types of whittling. Well, that's true. It could have been. That's a good point. I, I didn't. Could have been ivory whittling. Oh, we need to get some ivory. Yeah, uh, <laughs> preferably illegally. <laughs> yeah. Listeners, if you know, <laughs> hook us up. Um, hey, hey, lead us in prayer, huh? Me? Yeah. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Relax. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Amen. That was a joke. Sometimes at, at wakes and funerals, I, I can tell the crowd is very Protestant, and they're gonna they're just going to pop in with that, so I, I leave the gap. Mm. You don't cut them off? <clears throat> Excuse me. That's not part of our way of praying, the Our Father. <laughs> Could you please be quiet? Refrain from accretions. A, yeah, it's a it's a real thing that we got to do down south. Mm-hmm. We, I got to figure out. I need to figure out what I'm going to do when that happens. Oh, you got time for all that. Anyway, Cardinal George. Not really. Pray for not us. really. I have like a couple of weeks. Saint oh, John Paul more. II. Pray for us. John Henry Newman. Pray for Pray us. For us. Father Ed Oaks. Pray for Pray us. Pray for us. <laughs> Little flower. Pray for us. Pray for us. Saint Saint Joseph. Pray for Pray us. For us. Pray that for makes us. more sense. Saint well, Mother Teresa. Pray, Pray for us. us. Saint Josephine Bikita. Pray, Pray for, for us. us. <laughs> he is good. Saint Patrick. Pray <laughs> for us. <laughs> Uh, when I say Michael the Archangel, defend defend us in battle, (laughs) (laughs) terror of demons. Oh, this is none of this is usable. This is so obnoxious. Are you kidding me? (laughs) This This is is the litany, baby. Yeah, Father, it's it's, it's like borderline sacrilegious (laughs) that we're we're laughing. Come on, I have I have real affection for all of those. Oh, of course, me too. Well, it reminds me of uh, the. Rosary, the walking rosary we did when I was in college. Did you ever do that, Rob, when you were down at Champagne? I wasn't listening. What were you saying? We used to do a walking rosary. It's how I actually learned how to pray the rosary, mostly. Um, 
at 10 o'clock, I think, every night or every weeknight. Oh, yeah, they would meet at Fullinger, wouldn't they? Mm, well, they when I was there, they'd meet in front of the rectory, in front of the um, chapel. Maybe that is. And then walk around all walk around campus praying the rosary in a big group, and there used to be like 20, 30 people. Yeah, um, yeah, I think I, d- I actually used I did go to that quite quite frequently. So all the prayers that they prayed at the end of the rosary, I still do every time I pray the rosary, including a, a litany of the saints I know and like. Nice. So it's after the. After the Gosh. Hail Holy Queen, it's the, oh God, who by the, I can never remember prayers like that except in the context. Oh God, who's only begotten Son. That one, yep. Death and resurrection. And then pray for the Pope. I pray at our Father, Hail Mary, and a glory be. Actually, yep, interestingly. Is, I don't do that now, but that is a thing. I know that I, I used to do that all the time. Exactly. Well, that started, we used to always pray in our Father for, the, for Pope John Paul II, but then when he was dying, like the Vatican asked everybody to pray on our Father, Hail Mary, and glory be for him. So we hmm. just started doing that. And then when Pope Benedict was elected, we kept doing it for him. And so now I do it for Francis, our Father, Hail Mary, and glory be. Nice. And then the Memorare, and then the St. Michael prayer, and then a litany. Hmm. I like oh, wow. that. Yeah. that is, well, that is the same lineup that I do, so maybe I did learn it there. Huh. I can't. I used to add a bunch of stuff to the rosary, and it was like that whole C.S. Lewis thing where... It just got to be too much, oh, yeah. so I would never, like, it was just super intimidating. I felt like I could never finish the rosary. Mm. It also feels a little neurotic and being countery. Like, I need to get all of these little prayers in. Well, yeah, that's true. You know? It but can, it, yeah. But that, I like that because it felt like something authentic. Like, this was the kind of the Lex Arandi thing where, as a community, oh. you pray as a community, and it kind of, you you get a way of praying, you know. That's how all the all the rites, like <clears throat> the Roman rite and the Eastern rite and the Ambrosian rite, Coptic, yeah, all Ambrosian. evolved that way, sort of with a mysterious beginning. There's no, there's no author of the way that people pray. It's just kind of a thing that happens over time and through the Spirit. That see that to me makes sense. I, what I don't like is like scholars just coming in and saying whether it's for the Bible or the liturgy, like this is how this was done in the first century and this is how we should do it now. Things kind of authentically develop. And that's what I experienced at Newman was you kind of get into a stream of community and culture that predates you and will exist after you leave, but you just kind of dip in it and learn it like a language. Like the rosary, for instance. I'd never prayed the rosary before then. And I learned it from those kids and Maybe some kids learned it from me. I don't know. But you just kind of get immersed in a community in a way of praying, and it feels natural. You know? Yeah, it makes me think of something Abbot Vincent said when I was super early here. It definitely shifted the way that I thought about, like, the crusade parish priest who comes in and gets to do the old uh, kung fu flip-flop on the parish and for the better. This is how we're doing it now. What's that? This is how we're doing it now because you guys have been wrong for... Right, All right, right, right. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, as a Benedictine, they they take the promise of stability, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and he was like, look, like we've we've been at a parish, our the other monks and and priests who are Benedictines have been working at a parish for a long, long time, eighty years or so. You know, they just have the same same really ideo- ideology, same theology, same pastoral approach coming into a parish. So there's massive consistency there. He's like, look, you guys, you come in, you're going to be gone in six years, and the people are still going to be there. And so you have some priests who's coming in and flip-flopping and changing, and um, 
it's just a, a type of inconsistency that, like you said, doesn't predate them and actually isn't going to stay the same because then somebody else is going to come in and change it. And so it just kind of challenged that that crusader priest mentality. Like we we definitely need some consistency here because one, it's not my parish, and two, when I leave, some guy may come in and change it change it right back. You know, not to say no changes are well. Are good, yeah, and that said, I mean. I, I prefer to take the long view on that, so not so much like because I remember a parish that shall remain nameless. A priest got in trouble because he was inserting the Gloria into Mass. <laughs> and uh, besides Advent and Lent, when we abstain from the Gloria, right? In Advent, you don't do the Gloria, but you do do the A word before the Gospel. But anyways, they even during ordinary time and Easter and Christmas time, they were not doing the Gloria. And the priest just, and since, since they weren't singing it, he would just insert it after the penitential rite, but before the collect. Oh, oh, during Advent and Lent? <laughs> no, 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 no. During the time when the just Gloria should whatever. have been. Yeah. When okay. the Gloria, they just don't do the Gloria at this parish. And oh. he just and, did it. And he okay. would just put it in, uh, did recited. What he was supposed to. Yeah. And so <laughs> someone came up to him afterwards from the parish staff and said, um, I've asked you this before, but I would just like to reiterate, we ask that you please respect our parish's tradition of not doing the Gloria. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, okay, your, your parish's tradition of not doing the, first of all, it's negative. You can't have a tradition of not doing something. (laughs) 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 Oh man. So that can Hmm. get a little, I think that sometimes the priest thing is necessary. Yeah, no, 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 it was more the mindset of mm-hmm. it. Back to that uh, that rosary, though. I mean, that was that. Yeah, I haven't thought about that in a long time. Mm-hmm. That was like a very formative experience because it was so organic, and like I wouldn't go every night, but it was always just like a great crew of. It was the kind of, of thing people. like if you were around at ten. Yeah. Then you'd be like, oh yeah, I think I'll go do the rosary. It took twenty minutes. You walk. It was like a nice brisk walk outside with some people, and then you went back and you were done. Yeah, because I never, I never lived at the Newman Center, but was there a lot, and even yeah, just nice night, whatever. I mean, it was just always you kind of knew like when it was gonna, when it was gonna be, and for some reason, I think if I remember right, it would always end at Follinger in in my, in my day, which is like just the cool view of the quad, and I don't know, just like a lot of the images are kind of coming back to me from from my time. That's yeah. good stuff. Yeah, but that literally, I'm I'm the same way. Like that taught me how to pray the Rosary. Mm-hmm. Was that was that thing now <laughs> i remember on, i think it was a campus tour someone said that the, the family donated all the money that got that auditorium named after them really hate hate it when it, people call it follinger that it should be pronounced follinger with the hard g i've never heard that well, before now you have i could so be wrong don't let it happen again follinger <laughs> <laughs> yep are Is, you kidding me we gotta think... pick our battles here people <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it Follinger that right in front they have that little medallion in the in the uh, front of it that you can stand on and there's some kind of acoustic thing that happens? Oh yeah, Where, it, like you, you like could hear somebody on... whisper from across the quad. You could hear it's them. it's something like that. Like there's another part of the quad that you can mm-hmm. yeah pretty much talk because of it. I don't know. I don't remember that. Those things are what weird. Else? Yeah. Man, oh man. I just remember my freshman year on uh, unofficial St. Patty's Day. I was one of like the 8% of students that went to class. <laughs> Me too. Cuz yeah, cuz even in those days, I I just thought it was the dumbest thing. Oh, like, totally. I, I and I had like no moral qualms with it in that time. 
but I just remember like being an 18 year old like idiot freshman and hearing about unofficial St. Patrick's and I was like that does not sound fun like it just doesn't sound like a good time etc but I did I, went, I thought so it was I, so it was so sinister that the bars would open at 8 a.m. and kind of cater to this binge drinking culture so just to make money Right. And yeah. they would let 19 year olds in and say, well, you're not allowed to drink, but you can come hang out. Whatever. Mm-hmm. The whole thing yeah. is just so. Yeah, it's garbage. 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 But I do remember going to Fullinger for, a, nice, I think, like an, M- an MCB lecture or something. And there was a guy in a banana suit hitting tennis balls with a golf club out in front of Fullinger onto the quad. Which I did think that was like a little bit funny. Right. But, you know, that was it. <laughs> Oh, oh college hygiene. Man, college, those were good times that we had mm-hmm. at U of I because we all went there. <laughs> Freaking everybody went to U of I. Those people. were the best 12 years of my life, Mets. Okay. <laughs> what, do you have any dumb memories from your place? Didn't you jump over a fence and. Yeah, I thought I told that story. Yeah, I, I have you did. T- too many. It would take up all of our time. <laughs> yeah. All of our time of me marching around campus with a rosary trying to get those sinners off campus oh right those are those are my memories <laughs> yeah i just decking people in banana suits <laughs> for the ward <laughs> nice oh man saint joseph though huh right saint joseph i do love him yeah what's not to love he seems yeah he's kind day of a, joseph he's kind of joseph. a strong I, silent yeah. type right yeah. For some reason, he's like not the first guy that comes to mind when I think of like when I'm specifically praying about celibacy and trying to understand it and trying to go, grow in the in the beauty of that gift of celibacy. For some reason, he's not the first guy that I think of. But this morning, it was just like I've been praying about it this morning and holy hour and then um, just coming to mass and thinking like who better than St. Joseph was married to Mary? You know, who is just this incredible woman, I'm assuming, uh, who she is, is just this very beautiful, I've heard beautiful lady. Yeah. <laughs> the sinless Go mother on. of God. And he's living with her. Right. And, and still has this immense love for her, but keeps his, you know, keeps his chastity and his, his celibacy about him as a, the, the just one, the righteous man. Like Joseph must have just been a, an incredible guy. I've been thinking a fair bit about your thing last week, Mike, uh, about the difference between like true Eros love and just kind of dissipated lust feeling, like the the difference between having the feeling be the object of the desire versus the object being desired being the object of the desire, if that makes sense. Is that kind of what you were saying, right, that it's when you are just wanting to be you want to feel a certain way and you're like any any stimulus will do that quiets this or scratches this itch whether whether it's lust or youtube or netflix or something like that versus i really want to see this movie or i really want to hang out with this person um i think that's a really it's served me well as a helpful guide as to like am i really being intentional about my time because when i'm not and when i slip that that to me is like a real indicator of sloth is when i just think 
I'm restless. I need something. And then you just go and, and the computer, I, I have these little like ruts that, you know, in a muddy field, if you ride around in a car or something like that, and then the, the field dries up, those ruts just kind of get caked and dried. And if you were to drive around again, you'd get like into one of those. It's really bumpy. And your car, your car would just go in that direction. Theoretically, it's a thought experiment. But I think that there are things like that for me, like the computer or the phone. I'll just go to them with no particular intention of what I'm going to look up on the computer or do on my phone. It's just, oh, this, you know, sometimes whatever, look at my ESPN bracket or my mint.com or you know, I've t- taken all these things off of my phone so that I have less incentive to look at it, but I still go to things that have been sources of that kind of directionless, blah, you know, searching. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I, yeah, I do. I do. <clears throat> and I think that, you know, like St. Jo- I was just thinking that when you were talking about St. Joseph and the Virgin Mary, you know, that particular love for that particular woman who he would have known so intimately as her spouse, even though not knowing her in the biblical sense, um, what chastity really looks like is that like, it's, it's not just a, a bland repression of, of sexual or other desire, but rather a, a directing it towards an end that makes it sort of powerful and, generous and generative and i know i feel more generative when i do that when i've i'm like say no to myself to those kind of dumb directionless desires and say a hearty yes to the ones that i really want you know you know what i'm saying yeah and i mean i think that like jp2 says it so well in the theology of the body but it's he's essentially saying if you want to give yourself away in love you have to know you have to know yourself and you have to know what you're actually looking for so that you can give yourself away to that particular thing. Whereas, so like Rob and I talked about it a little bit afterwards. And you a did. Conclusion, a, conclu- a conclusion that I came to. Well, you had to leave. We, we tried we to wrangle you me? into more conversation. I know. Connor, I'm going to break this to you. We talk a lot without you. What? Yeah. <laughs> it's not on the internet. We just generally talk face to face. We also have another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that one is on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. But most of the time though. Ninety nine percent of the time. It's without you. <laughs> Fair what enough. What was I saying? Oh okay. So Rob and I were talking without you, having a great time, enjoying the fact that there was just two of us and not three. And mm. uh the conclusion that I kinda came to was I guess a, a good distinction that that I can feel um, within myself when you you're kind of that difference between um, what's real eros and what's what's not real eros is is this self-seeking or is this self-giving? So one is actually focused on yourself of like oh my gosh there's something happening and I'm just trying to look for something to fill this empty void hmm. that's within me and the yeah. other one is saying there's the thing. Or the person, the object that I'm that I actually desire, and so then you get outside yourself to give yourself away to that one specific object. So one is focusing on, on either escaping or filling a void or filling a need or whatever. Not necessarily bad things, but you know we need. So and then the other one is about giving giving yourself away to, to that one particular 
object or person or thing. So you know what I find helpful. Um, one is self-focused. The other is other-focused. Yeah, but it's it's as all things we've talked to this about this ad nauseum is that when you when you are self other-focused, yourself becomes more uh, happy, sated, relaxed, at rest than when you are self-seeking. Ironically, the more you seek your own happiness, the the more it seems out of reach. But when you let go of that and start looking for ways to give yourself away and thinking of yourself less than your your desires are are sated because you're meant to be all of us are meant to for self-gift but what what helps me in this because it's so easy to slip into self-seeking is to make a list uh like in the morning after my morning routine and like morning mass the things that are just kind of built-in furniture of my day when there's a little bit of dead space, when I could conceivably, okay, well, I'm just going to do my emails because I got to do my emails, but then I'm not in any sort of rush. So why don't I watch this video or look at, look at social media for a little bit or whatever, um, kind of fritter away time. It helps to make a list of what are all things that I could do today, you know, or, or I should do today, you know, visit this person or, or make this phone call and, and, it, it might not even be a super busy day. It happened to be a, a super busy day on Saturday, um, which was great. I had like a bunch of visits that had kind of backed up over a couple days that I hadn't had time to make, either home visits or hospital. Uh, and there's one lady at a supportive living place, and I just visited them all. And it was St. Patrick's Day, which kind of felt appropriate because he was a missionary just to go out and into the missions. Um and you know then do your i would just write it down like visit such and such visit so and so call this person do my laundry you know pray holy hour um dinner with so and so you know and it wasn't like my calendar that day was almost empty besides morning mass and i think something in the afternoon i had a wedding as well but i got i just did a lot uh and at the end of the day felt very at peace and at rest and my family came down and um, that helps direct my day, you know, I think, and I think God makes his, it reminds me of the old story about George, George Washington Carver, that inventor, American inventor. They asked him, how does he get so much done? And he would say, every morning I go out to this stump in my backyard, sit on the tree stump and ask God what I should do. And then I go do it. Um, sometimes I think it is that simple that God's will does become apparent to you one day or one hour at a time. And you just, go and do it but boy is it easy to slip into no man's land and prodigality when you don't have that structure at least for me you know what i mean indeed i went and visited this lady on set one of the visits i made she doesn't know if she was um baptized she's not sure but she's always wanted to be a catholic and she's wearing a rosary around her neck and Probably in her 60s. I don't know. Her health is not great, it seems like. But one of those people that's just, um, I don't know. Like when you look at their face, you just it's like you're looking straight into their soul. There's just no false self there. Um, partly maybe because of an inability to hide it and partly because of the sort of innocence. Uh, but she, you know, shared some of her stories of childhood. She grew up in a foster, foster homes and 
I always felt like an outcast. And you know, when somebody, have you ever had it where you're talking to somebody and they're not trying to get your sympathy? They're just talking honestly, and <clears throat> it just kind of wrecks you. Um, with not pity, but and not empathy. Compassion, I guess, would be the thing. Like you, somebody starts crying, and then you just feel like crying too. Um, it was powerful, man. And she she wants the sacraments, and I called downtown and got delegation to confirm her at my discretion, and even conditionally baptize her if I can't figure if I can't find out if she's been really truly baptized in the Trinitarian formula, but. Man, dude, you talk about love and celibacy and chastity. It's like that, that, I think the priesthood doesn't really make sense unless you have these encounters where you're like, wow, I really love this person and want them to be happy. And yeah, I'd, I want to give myself for them. Story complete. Hmm. Yeah, I like just going back to what you were saying, like the line that hit me was like direct your day. I mean, whether it's like making a list or exactly like sitting on a tree stump asking God what you should do. But like, I don't know, as a priest, and I think it has to be driven out of exactly like those that you love, but like your day should be directed. You know, I've been thinking about um, just like last weekend I tried and didn't. It wasn't too bad, but uh, just like really trying to take a good Sabbath. And that's actually, I found that like kind of hard to do. And there's not a lot of direction on like what makes a good Sabbath or not. Um, And I thought back on something that, man, years ago, I heard Father Mike Schmidt say, and he was talking about, I think he was actually talking about Easter and just like feasting on Easter. And he was like, that doesn't mean just like in the Easter octave to go out and get donuts whenever you want. Um, which I always thought that it kind of did, um, and practice it like that. Yeah. But he was like, it should be like a, um, like you think about, uh, even in like, in, in like a really healthy, beautiful way, like a, a wedding in today's world, not the one that's like just solely focused on the day and not about the sacrament, anything like that. But, just, you know, it's the most important day of these people's lives and they put all this time and preparation into it and all of these resources are going into it. Um, and I always, th- I always th- like that thought that was a really cool image for, yeah, like how we should celebrate Easter and, but also like kind of in a microcosm way, just celebrate every day. Like it should be directed. Um, and you're never going to hit that like perfectly. Like we've talked about not being life coaches of like, I've yet to have, a day where I look back on and I'm just like, I accomplished it all. Like I did it, checked it off the list. It was a perfect day. But at the same time, I don't know, like directing your day has to be, yeah, focused on, on that, like the feast, man, because that's what it allows you to, to do. Yeah. I, I think I've actually heard that homily as well from father Mike Schmitz. And I used to think of it as like, Oh, you know, you're out to out to lunch and you're going to get your normal meal and then you're like, "Oh, it's a Sunday." You know what? Well, I'm just going to get an extra ice cream. <laughs> right. And, and a large a type of and a large coke and yeah. you know, I'll get french fries. Make it make it a, <laughs> a super size me baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one's for St. Joseph. <laughs> <laughs>
I'll probably do that tonight at dinner. <laughs> um, yeah, but just how much more, like, how much more I feel like I can enjoy things when I actually do have a plan to them. Because even on the free days, maybe most especially on the free days, is like even all of those things there is, God has an intention for you and a desire for you on that day. So asking him and then actually going out and just doing it like that, I think that also applies on the on the Sabbath days. Um, yeah, I think the hardest thing about those, at least for me, is t- saying like, is trying to figure out what do I actually want to do today? Like, I don't have a bunch of things coming at me that are mandatory, but I get to choose. I get to choose what I really want and what's going to give me life. And I, I think I do a bad job of choosing sometimes. At least it's not always clear for me. Hmm. So I, I don't always Sabbath the best, but a work in progress, you know. I feel like my brother Ethan does. He, he, he's got five kids, and so there's a lot that just must be done. Um, his wife does a lot, stays at home and, um, you know, does the school thing. She works too, but does most of the carton kids around and things like that. But when it comes to Saturday, <clears throat> like just this past weekend, he's sending me all sorts of pictures of them. They went camping at a lake and he's like, dude, next time you come down here, we got to go camping, um, at this lake. And they do, I don't know. They just do all sorts of fun activities. Um, when they have free time that aren't particularly expensive, but are just good family fun. Uh, and I, I get the feeling not being a family man myself, but that families, a lot of times they get so bogged down in the stuff they must do or think, or think they must do, you know, like all this overscheduled kids and stuff that they don't Sabbath very well. Um, you know, whether that's worship or, or fun time. I think that we're just so like Sunday or Saturday or whatever has become catch up day, you know, on stuff that we didn't get done during the week that we needed to get done. Yeah, we yeah. we need rest. <clears throat> our, our, and I, I'm done feeling bad about that. I'm done feeling bad about like wanting my life to have good time in it. <laughs> you know, I. I think that's another one of the neuroticisms of our day is the busy, the cult of busyness that you are as important as you are busy mm-hmm. and your life is as valid as you are miserable. <laughs> you know, like I am living a better life than you because I'm unhappy <laughs> and <laughs> you know? I'm unhappy because I'm doing so many things, right? Because I'm so darn important. I just really loathe that attitude. It's so self-defeating. Uh, and then kind of like begrudging another person their their choices in life because it, they led them to have more f- ability to flourish hum- in a human way, <laughs> you know? Um, and I think a lot of that is self-imposed. I think most, most people, I mean, there's people that are the mothers of, of many children, some of whom are special needs or, you know, medical issues, and, and they don't seem to be constantly run ragged and miserable because their children are so needy. And whereas some people are mothers or fathers of not as many children and they're just constantly complaining about their kids. Um, the same thing goes for priests, to be honest with you. (laughs) There's priests that are not that busy who constantly complain about being busy. And there's some who work their tails off and I know it and they do it quietly without much fanfare. And they always seem 
energized and happy. So, yeah, maybe it's the direction thing. I don't know. If you feel like you have good direction in your life, you, you really, I mean, you were talking about last time about just getting energy out, like the baby crying. I love that image of the baby. Just does it. It just doesn't need to be changed or eat or sleep. It just needs to get energy out. So it cries. It's like Kyle Mano coming up to the, the refrigerator in the cam room one day and he goes, he opens the fridge and he goes, I'm not really hungry. I just want to eat something. <laughs> yes, dude. That's the human condition is that we, we have this restless energy, this vital energy that needs to be directed. And if it's directionless, well, that's like the Newman metaphor of the, of the rushing river. You know, the, if you get yeah. the banks in tight, yeah. the river has life. But if you, let the banks out. It's just this lazy lake and it, it's got no, no vigor. I think that. Yeah. That well, I'm, I, I mean, I'm thinking of like priests who really do that well and being out with Bishop Barron. I mean, he's par excellence. To My dad once said, he's like, that's the, he's the most productive man I've ever met. I, I really think that that's true. He's incredible. Him yeah, and then, uh, you know, sister Steph is, mm-hmm. I don't know how, I seriously don't know how, both of them operate at the level that they do, but specifically Bishop Barron and even Father Gruno out there. Yeah. They are high intensity, high productivity, happy, like healthy, balanced people. And and I really think it's just your day gets transformed when he comes into the morning and then says he spends that hour with the Lord. And like it just seems it's so present in the front of his mind that everything that happens in this day is going to be coming from the hand of God. So if he's asking me to do something, like I'm gonna give it everything I got because I know that it's from him, and so it, yeah, it just seems that that holy hour has got to have some serious transformative power um, that just shapes like, shapes the way he goes about the day. But you know, holy hour substitute for sitting on a log saying, "God, what do you want me to do today?" and then go and do it. Mm-hmm. He does that in his chapel in front of the Blessed Sacrament, you right. know, but. That's just, yeah. that's just the same idea. So then everything that happens during the day, you've, we've already committed it to the Lord, hopefully. You say, all right, the, the whole day is a type of reception and response to, to God's activity in my life and in, in creation. So, yeah, I don't know how long it takes until you actually start to believe that and start to see the world in that way, hopefully soon. (laughs) Uh, You know, I try to do it, but it's like, you know, I'm still trying to force myself to see that way. It's not just natural, I don't don't think. But they're some of the most productive, healthy priests I've seen. Yeah. And, I mean, well, I'm not going to throw you a bone there, Father Connor. I thought about it, though. You're going to compliment me? I was going to compliment you, but oh, thanks, you don't know how to take compliments. No, yeah, I, that's I don't. True. <laughs> You've true. proven that. I really don't. You've proven that. Um, yeah, compliments. And my mom was very good about, like, even looking back on our uh, on our family photo albums. When I go home, and you know, my younger brother got married not too long ago. He's expecting a a little little baby on the way soon. A little bundle of joy. A little bundle of joy, a little, little bun in the oven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got one in the oven. She's in uh, a blessed state. <laughs> yes. 
his wife is pregnant. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the gist of it. Yeah. She's, I told you I, that, that thing of Father de Gaulle's, right? He, he once asked me, like, how is it that you say um, when, a, when a woman is expecting, you know, like, what, what is the, you know, like the way that, what are some ways that you can say that in American English? And I'm like, well, we basically just say pregnant. It's like, no, 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 not, not, not like so crass and biological. But he's like, in Hungarian, we say either she is in a blessed state or she has a child under her heart. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, no, nothing like that, Father. <laughs> we say she's pregnant. That's really nice, Dan. I know, it's really nice. Uh, yeah, in a blessed state. I guess you could say she's radiating. That That's the closest. Yeah, but like that, no one a, would know that that means she's pregnant. Uh, well, yeah, maybe. Or maybe she's newly married. So the point is, you know, go home. We have all these nostalgic memories and we're flipping through baby books and it's just blown away at all these different events that like either birthdays or Halloween in particular, like mom went through a lot of effort Hmm. to make sure that we were like, we were having a good time. Like she had planned out these, these birthdays and cowboys and Indians and costumes like one year <laughs> pat was dressed up like a hobo <laughs> and i was a clown no kev was a clown i was a knight so was in like face paint and and i know she enjoys doing all that stuff mm-hmm. but just the the type of energy that went into really having a good time oh yeah and then like so then looking at the the photo album which is you know like the ancient version of facebook so everything looks really happy and and i get that but um, but there was a lot of great memories like that. Uh, but I, I know it took a lot of effort, um, for mom. Like she didn't just fall into that, but she had a very directed, very intentional, um, extra effort to say like, yeah, this is worth putting some time and energy into so that we can really drink this moment, you know, drink the last drop of, of fun that's here. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought she was, she's always been great at that. She's Moms yeah. are preternaturally great at that, oh, I think. Oh, man, they're so good. Ordination planning, all that, like parties and stuff, goodness. And this is not to say, like, the, the direction thing or even my making a list of stuff to do today so that I don't waste this day. It's not, uh, like, I am now a robot. I am now the the list is my master. I must do these things. It's it's still very free. It's just it, it gives you um, a framework in which to be free. And I think that's the only time you can ever really feel free. It's the whole... Chesterton analogy of the kids on the mountaintop where the fence is up and so the kids feel Mm -hmm. free to play but you tear the fence down and you can you can fall at any moment and the the kids are all kind of huddled and gathered in the middle doing nothing out of fear that I think that that's true for me like more in the or the rushing river analogy same kind of idea that the more there are boundaries or um, obligations the more I feel free to kind of let myself go and, and do those things and see what happens. Like encountering that lady at that nursing home um, or the supportive living place and really like entering into that moment. Um, you know, I wasn't, a, I obliged myself to do it by putting my, putting that on my list. That, you know, like she wasn't, she didn't know I was coming that day or wasn't expecting me to come. It was just the sister at my mission parish said, Oh, whenever you get a chance, could you stop by and see this person? And, and all the other people, I think I visited four people on Saturday and all of them, none of them were expecting me. So I just stopped in and one of them died this morning. Um, so I got to see her the last time on Saturday. Uh, another one on hospice gave her her 
viaticum and uh, uncion de los enfermos. What is that in English? Anointing of the sick. Um, and it, you know, just you feel like ooh, pushed a little bit, and but but also very free. And I, I imagine that that's how a mother feels in making a cowboy costume. It's like, yes, this is an obligation, but to, it would feel silly to make a cowboy costume simply because for your son, just because, oh, this, I guess I have to do this. Ugh, what drudgery, you know? It's whimsical, it's fun, that's what it's meant to be, but it's also something you need to do for the sake of someone you love, namely your child. I just think that's it's a, a weird thing about being human is that we often don't do what's best for us. We think like, oh, wouldn't it be nice when I could just relax and do nothing? Actually, that makes you really restless and miserable. At least it does for me. But I always have had that where I'm like, what's the next horizon after which I can go ahead and have no obligations and do nothing? And then you get there, whether it's break in the seminary or vacation, and you're like, all right, what do we do now? You know, belaboring the point, but you get what I mean. Yeah, it's nice. That was pretty. <laughs> that was a good gap, dude. <laughs> I was about to drop some some bombs. Go, man. you do interrupted it. me. Drop them. <laughs> drop your bomb. What was I gonna say? <laughs> um, time up prayer. Well, can't really put it together. Did I really just interrupt that thought you had? Yeah, yeah, but I. It's like close to there, but it's not connecting. Hmm. I, I'm missing hmm. the bridge. I'm missing oh, the bridge. Oh, the bridge to understanding. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Because it's something like we do have to Sabbath and, and do nothing and yeah. receive. Mm-hmm. But then we also have to... Uh, we have to do nothing, but then we also have to do stuff. It's this back and forth of... Well, I remember uh, sitting on the... Do- on the. Were you guys at 3 North when this happened? Where we all got into the app Draw Something. It was like uh, Pictionary, but over the internet. No, I wasn't. I know the app, but I didn't get into it with you guys. Okay, so this... Yeah, it was a while ago. I didn't even have a smartphone at the time. My brother had gave me his old tablet and a few of the guys on the cam had it was some really warm day maybe it was a break maybe it was a weekend day but there was nothing going on on the cam and we all sat out on the cam balcony maybe for four perhaps five hours playing this stupid game with with each other and with strangers over the internet and doing nothing um pretty much wasting the day it was really really fun but also, but it was, you know, it was also relational. It was with like Scott and, and Dietz and Tim Anastas mm-hmm. and Kyle Mano and those guys. But I also, there's also a sort of feeling of like, wow, did I really just spend that much time playing this game? Um, there, <laughs> there is a kind of a, it's like a suicide pact with, with, with sometimes with friends. Like, are we going to sit here and watch another episode of this? Or like, Oops. I will if you will, you know, <laughs> even though you know Been it's there. not good for you. You know, what would really be good right now is to get up and go for a run or or really do anything, anything but what we're doing, you know? Yeah, it's in- that's interesting because there's also those experiences that do just take absurd amount of time and all that stuff, but you don't walk away with that feeling of like, should I really yeah. have 
just done that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's, maybe it's just scaled of like that, you know, for lack of a better term, like good leisure, you know, maybe there's some that's just good and there's some that's really good. And you, you have an example that, that you were thinking of? Well, I mean, I think it, a lot of this stuff comes into it, like what you subjectively like just love to yeah. do. And also like the relation, the relationality of it, I think is hugely important um, because sometimes it is, super fun to watch like you know one or two extra episodes of the office in the cam room or whatever but i don't know i'm just thinking of like i do i just i love watching live baseball and like a baseball game is a huge time commitment Mm -hmm. but getting to go with getting to go with my dad and or like somebody like that my dad and my brother or my mom and dad or whatever um i've just like i don't think i've ever and you know we didn't have like season tickets or anything that was all the time but i don't think i've ever walked away from an mlb game and been like ah man that was really fun but i probably shouldn't have done that you know Mm -hmm. Uh, that's true so but that's not for everybody like that's just something that came up in my mind of like i just really like to do that yeah Um, do you sit and watch have you been sitting and watching the march madness not, I mean, one one day I think I watched like a game and a half with some guys in the cam room, and then I watched for maybe like an hour a couple other times. So I I just really haven't, I've been lost in it big time this year. Um, I don't know, you? Yeah, I, I that's actually what I thought of because there was, what, it started on Thursday? Yeah, and I basically had all Thursday afternoon free, and so I just kind of scheduled in to like sit down and watch a bunch of March Madness and and I did and I've done that before with college football like mm-hmm. Saturdays during college football season I will block off time and say I'm going to watch college football for like 5 straight hours yeah and I'll do oh it oh my gosh oh and that's like restraint dude <laughs> I could watch literally a whole Saturday of college football not move from the couch but oh, I, would I go sat crazy. down and watched some of March Madness and like yeah, it just didn't do it for me. But then but then the other days when I didn't schedule my day around watching March Madness but still popped in and out, like, oh, a little 30 minutes here, check up here, and just did the rest of the day but didn't make that the center of it, then it was like it felt much more correct, I guess. Um, so I don't – yeah, it, it's interesting. I've, I've blocked off massive amounts of time for college football. And had this similar experience of like I would I would definitely do that again. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, next Saturday I'm gonna <laughs> do that again. But then March Madness, it was just un like I was kind of grumpy when I left, and mm-hmm. maybe my team's lost. I don't know which they did, but <laughs> I normally I haven't March Madness is not really my thing, and I don't normally fill out a bracket. I haven't for a long time, but I did this time. I feel like I'm doing pretty well. I'm at like the 88th percentile of. Uh, ESPN people. That's pretty good. Yeah. I thought so. I picked Loyola to win the first two rounds. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Basically <laughs> nice. just because um, they're the only Chicago team in it. Yeah. I, sp- I go to spiritual direction up at Loyola. But you yeah, know what? The March Madness that I'm really into right now is actually April Madness because I'm going to play with the firefighters in our annual guns versus hoses, police versus firemen uh, basketball benefit for our athletic club. The, the fireman asked me to play on that team. was a sh- that was a stretch 
Oh, granted. Yeah, it's amateur basketball. It's basketball for which the athletes are not being paid. There we go. Which is not the same as college basketball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, in some cases. <laughs> That's cool. So are you going to play with the firefighters? Yeah, the I firemen? Think, yeah, they're the ones that most need the help, and I think it makes more logical sense that I would play with them since I was... Because you're a redhead? Once a firefighter, yeah. Mm. Oh, because you were a firefighter. Mm-hmm. That's right. But that should yeah. be fun. Run of the 5K, too, in April. Wow. Look at you, Mr. Mm-hmm. Go-Getter. I'm a go-getter. I'm going and getting it. Go and get it. Go get it. How is uh, the whittling? Was that the farthest you've gotten? The oh, picture yeah. of the owl like, that I'm you sent? I'm going to answer that. This is just a lead-in. Make fun of it about soap or something. None of your business. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it is. <laughs> that tin whistle has made a number of appearances. Well, it sits here right on my standing desk where I do my podcasting. So I just, uh, no, the whole time I'm kind of like, just thinking about little tunes I could play you guys. Some dillies. Some little diddly dads. Dilly diddly 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 dudes. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Good girl.